Let us pray together. Heavenly Fathers, want to thank you for bringing us here in the house of God to be able to gather and to worship and to praise you and to hear your word. I pray, guys, we're here on Palm Sunday and as we're entering Holy Week, I pray for your protection and your guidance and may we remember you, our King, our Lord, the one who died for us and who rose again from the dead. And Lord, as you transition to the message now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are here listening, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord. We give you all the glory and all the honor, for you are our rock and our redeemer. We pray all these things in your precious Son, just cause me pray. God's people pray. Amen. And amen. All right, it's good to be in the house of the Lord here today. Let's begin with the title. The title of today's message is called Holy Week in Christ. Holy Week in Christ. Now, today is Palm Sunday, which leads to the Holy Week. And the question is, what is it? What is Palm Sunday? Palm Sunday is this. It's a triumphal entry of Jesus where he declares and where he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The exalted and the lowly king riding on a donkey, entering Jerusalem, moving towards his death, his death on a cross. And the question is why? Why does Jesus do this? It's to rescue us. It's to save us. It's to redeem us and to restore us, to redeem you, to restore you, to rescue you. And to save you. Amen. And amen. It's a celebration of Jesus, the Messiah, the King, the Savior of the world, entering into the world here, specifically here into Jerusalem, and understanding that He is the Messiah, He is the King, and He is our Savior. Now, if you could turn with me to Matthew chapter 21, that'll be our main passage here today. Specifically, verse 1 through 11. And if you have your Bibles with you, please follow through because we'll continue on from chapter 21 and on until Jesus' death and his persecution. But the heading here in Matthew 21, in verse 1 through 11, it says, Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king, as king. It says in verse 1 of chapter 21, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there. With her caught by her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, Say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken to the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, 
See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the fall of a donkey. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Now the question, why the donkey? The donkey here is symbolizing a humble and a lowly king. That he is the true king on a peaceful mission. Not a military warrior to bring strife and war. But if we take a look at the scene, it's almost laughable. Because chariots and horses, it symbolizes war for instruments. But donkey here, it represents peace. And Jesus, in essence, he's saying as he's entering Jerusalem on a donkey, he's saying, I bring you peace as a lowly king and as a humble king. Let's continue reading verse 8. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. What does it mean? What does it signify with the crowd spreading their cloaks on the road? It's they're declaring that Jesus, you are the Messiah as they're doing this. We'll continue reading. While others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. We know in other references that these are palm branches. Palm branches marking victory and triumph. In essence, they're saying, the king is here. The king is here. The king is here to rescue us. As it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So with Jesus, there is victory. Continuing in verse 9, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Amen and amen. Jesus here, he fulfills the prophecy. As you read here, say to daughter Zion in verse 5, see your king comes to you gentle riding on a donkey, on a call of the fall of a donkey. Where it says, it's taken from Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. It's fulfilling one of the prophecies that was fulfilled by Jesus, the messianic prophecy. In total, there are 332 prophecies in the Old Testament alone. And Jesus fulfilled every single one of them, and he did not miss one. Even with the lottery, they say to win a lottery is one out of 302 million chance for you to win the lottery. But for Jesus to fulfill 332 prophecies, it means that it's one out of quintillion one out of quintillion so for us to understand the number if you don't know is million billion and then quadrillion and then quintillion and then if you want to go further than that it's sextillion but here it says one out of quintillion chance for Jesus to fulfill every single one of the prophecies that was found in the Old Testament 332 prophecies in total as it says in Zechariah 9, 9, and as it was mentioned in Matthew 21, in verse 9, 
Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. So here we are, men and women of God. We're here on Palm Sunday, the Holy Week. And what did Jesus do before he was persecuted and he went on the cross? This is what Jesus did. Starting with point number one. Jesus came to overturn the tables. Jesus came to overturn the tables. And when I'm talking about tables, symbolically, I'm speaking about our lives. He came to overturn, turn the world upside down. For a reference, let's go to verse 12 to 17. Let's continue reading. The heading says, Jesus at the temple. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouted in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant, meaning other words, they were annoyed. They didn't like it. And we know what that word means because we went over this in our last previous weeks in our message. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked them. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. And we see a complete night and day difference between those who are proud, those who are thieves, those who are there for entertainment, those who are there for business only, versus those who are there to truly worship and to recognize Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as the Savior of the world. On all the hands, we see money changers, merchants, those who are proud and blind, proud chief priests, teachers of the law who pretend to know and have faith versus those who are like children, not childish, but childlike, just like the documentary you watched with Kim Bong in our recent meeting, where he has the mind of a six to seven-year-old and he is a grown man, but everything he does is very pure. And even as he goes to church, when he prays, you see his true heart of worship. And we see here with children and infants where they're shouting. It's a, it's a children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. And who was indignant? It was the merchants, the money changers the teachers of the law, the high priests, those who are blind and proud and arrogant. Jesus came to overturn 
our tables, the tables. In other words, with our sub point, letter A, never desecrate the Lord's house. B, never deceive the poor. And C, never defile yourselves by walking with the wicked. And yes, we are in the Lord's house, the physical building. But we're talking about our bodies as well because the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches us. Never desecrate, never compromise the Lord's house. When I say never deceive the poor, in this context, Roman coins and other forms of payment, they were useless for temple offerings. It was not accepted. So these merchants and money changers, they took advantage of this practice, of this system. And they would take advantage of this, and they would take advantage of the poor by upcharging the poor. Meaning they were thieves, acting like thieves. Not acting, but they were thieves. They would cheat the poor from being able to give proper offering in the temple. We must be very careful how we use the funds, how we use the budget for the kingdom of God. Amen. Never defile yourselves by walking with the wicked. Let us see. Rather, what must we do? We must praise the Lord with a childlike faith. Childlike faith. As the children and infants did here in verse 16. Hosanna to the son of David. Or else we will be overturned and rejected. That's the first thing that Jesus does here. He overturns the tables. So again, point number one, Jesus came to overturn the tables. ABC, never desecrate the Lord's house. Never deceive the poor. Never defy yourselves by walking with the wicked. Leading to point number two, Jesus came to curse the trees. What does that mean, to curse the trees? I guess there's some truth in this because those who love plants, they say that plants love to hear you singing to them. They love to hear kind words, encouraging words. They say if you curse at a tree or a plant, sometimes they wither and they die. And in the same way here, Jesus and Verse 18 to 22 of the same chapter, 21. The heading says, Jesus curses a fig tree. 18, it says, early in the morning as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to him, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly? They asked. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, but only can you do what was done to the fig tree. But also you can say to the man, to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in heaven. Amen. And amen. This passage is about God's divine 
wrath and judgment on those who are fruitless, who are useless, to those who look good on the outside, but inside you are dead. It's a passage on those who reject Christ. For if you reject Christ, you will have no fruit. There is no fruit to be produced. Specifically here, I know that this passage is talking about Israel. Even despite their spiritual advantages provided from Genesis to Malachi, we know the history of the Bible where they continue to live in rebellion and rejection. Like Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a good example. Judas is a good example. But we know in Scripture that their hearts were hardened. And it was far away from the Lord. Specifically for our reference, Exodus 7 and 14, verse 3 and 4. Exodus 7, 3 says, But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. We understand that their hearts were hardened. These people who rejected Judas and Pharaoh. And the Lord hardened their heart. In other words, they hardened their own hearts. Therefore, God allowed their heart to harden because they continue to reject the truth. And that, my friends, is a picture of what we just read here in verse 18 to 22. May you never bear fruit again. In other words, you will wither if you're not being fruitful in Christ. If you're found nothing on it but leaves, then you are useless, thrown to the fire. What's the point? So those who are sitting here today and listening to this message in our Holy Week on Palm Sunday, as we're entering Good Friday and Easter, if you know that you have a hardened heart, in other words, looking good on the outside, however, inside you are evil, you're full of the self-pride on the inside. In other words, faith without substance, you look good and impressive on the outside at first glance, but in the inside you are hollow, you are dead, you are empty. You only appear to have faith and your worship is hollow and empty. Then you are a cursed tree as it says here in verse 18 to 22 in chapter 21 of Matthew. You are a cursed tree. In other words, you must put your faith into motion and you must put it into work and you must produce good fruit. And the only way that we produce good fruit is we abide in Christ and in Christ we abide. That is the only way that we produce good fruit. That is the only way that we become useful and we are useful or else we're useless. We're hopeless. We have no hope. Matthew 21 if you continue reading a few verses forward, verse 28 to 32, Jesus continues to give parables, and he talks about the two sons. He says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Jesus is saying, that son is better. Because even though on the outside it looks bad, but inside he is good because he changed his mind and ultimately he did the right thing. 
It goes on in verse 30, and the father went to the other son, and this is a son that we should not be. Don't be this person. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be this person. And said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. He even added the word certain there to look respectful, to look good. Be careful of those who just say, sir, 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 sir. Madam, 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 man, man, man. All speech, all fluff, but empty and dead inside. And then what is the key phrase here? The key clue is that he did not go. Ultimately, he said the right thing, but he did not do the right thing. We're starting, which of the two did what his father wanted? The first thing, and so Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Do you understand that? That Jesus desires sinners, those who are real, for we are all sinners. Verse 32, for John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. In other words, tax collectors and prostitutes are sinners. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. My friends, please take heed of this message, of this warning. It is never too late until it is too late. You find yourself withered, fruitless, just leaves alone, only. We need to ask the Lord to come, water us, renew us, to bring us to a place where we have him and him alone. It is never too late until it is too late. Second Corinthians 6 2 and Hebrews 3.15. The key words here is about now and today. Today. Right now. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is a time of God's favor. Now is a day of salvation. Now, today. Hebrews 3.15. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Do not. And I want to encourage you when you're at home this week to read before verse 15. Because it's also mentioned in verse 7. So why don't you go ahead and read from verse 7 to 19 all together so that we have a full picture where the heading says warning against unbelief. But specifically, it's not just verse 7 actually, it's 8, it's connected. Where it says, today, if you hear his voice. It begins with, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, verse 8, do not harden your hearts. Same thing in verse 15. Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. The key word here is today. I want you to understand that unbelief is the scariest thing. There is no cure or remedy for unbelief. If you have faith today and you have belief. On the other hand, I want you to understand that you are more blessed. You are so blessed. You're tremendously blessed than you will ever know. The Bible makes it very clear 
the unbelief and blasphemy against the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven. Matthew 12, 31 says, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. You're a tax collector? Good. Check. You're a prostitute? Good. Check. You're a sinner? Good. Check. You're a liar? Good. Check. It can be forgiven. You will enter the kingdom of God if you repent and turn to him with humility. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven. There is no remedy or medicine or cure for that. A hardened heart, there is no cure for a hardened heart. Blind Pharisee, blind Pharisee, blind Pharisee. Are you a blind Pharisee? First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. What to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, who are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but in the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So if you're here today, sitting and listening today, we need to right now, right now, today, ask ourselves, are we like the Pharisees? Are we like the hypocrites? Are we full of wickedness? Are we full of unbelief? Are you clean on the outside but dead on the inside? Or dirty on the inside? But eventually you will be filled with faith and belief. For the latter is better. So quickly, so point A, B, C. Today is the day. A, B, tomorrow is not guaranteed. C, the time is now. In yourselves, in yourself, in yourself, there is no guarantee. But in Christ, it is certain that you will be saved. Just don't harden your heart. Don't be in a place of unbelief. We will be like this fig tree. We'll be cursed for all of eternity. We will never bear fruit again, and we will wither and we will die. Thrown as branches, thrown, are thrown into the fire. May you turn to the Lord here, now, today, now. Leading to point number three, Jesus came to rescue the lost. He came to rescue you. He came to rescue us. How? A. Why? A. For who? A. This is for me and for you. Letter A, to heal the sick. B, to restore the broken relationship. C, to bind the brokenhearted. 
D, to proclaim liberty to the captives. E, to liberate the prisoned. F, to save all sinners. All sinners. Question is how? How? Because he is the Messiah. That is how. And the Bible is very clear that we are all sinners. And for sinners, in other words, we are hopeless. Like reference to Batman, the Dark Knight Rises. Or Bruce Wayne, he's inside the pit. Oh, how we're all in the pit. It is impossible for us to come out on our own. You cannot come out of the pit. But in Christ we will. And we can. And I think about this with Bruce Wayne. He could have, at least when he got out, thrown a rope down so that he could help others to come up. But he's selfish. He just goes off on his own. Jesus made a way for us to overcome death and sin. He is the lion and the lamb. Amen. And he didn't only do it for the few. He did it and it is available to all, for all, all sinners. But sadly, and the reality is, not many will believe. That's the truth. But this is a hard teaching, they will say. But they will be indignant, and for they will grumble and complain. They will be full of pride. They will be too proud to humble themselves and to be rescued. You could put a person in a cage, and there is no hope for someone who is spiritually amputated. You could leave the lock open, cage unlocked. A lot of times we love to remain in that cage. All we have to do is get up like the prodigal son, open that cage door, and run to God. But so many times we just want to just stay where we are. Broken, hopeless, useless. No one will ever love me. No one will ever care for me. No one will rescue me. My sin is too great. Who says your sin is too great? Who are you to even declare that when the Bible says complete opposite? He came to save all, all of us. Break the chain. The chain has been broken. All you need to do is uncuff it, open the door, and run towards him like the prodigal son. Run to your father. Romans 3 makes it very clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, that's true. Me too, you too, all of us. And he gives us the remedy and the answer and the solution. He says, righteousness is given through faith in Christ alone, in Jesus Christ to all, not some, not to the few, but to all who believe. And we are justified freely. All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by who? By Christ Jesus. 
God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. In the past, we would have to sacrifice an animal, sprinkle the blood, only the high priest, the day of atonement, once a year. But now it's once and for all. It's done. It's finished. No more through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith through Christ, the ultimate and the true atonement of sacrifice. And he has given that to us. It says, to those who have faith in Christ, to those who have faith in Jesus. The prophecy of Christ has been fulfilled. And we're not only on the year of the Lord's favor, but now we can live our whole lives, a lifetime, in God's favor. As it says in Isaiah 61. He came to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners. Amen. That's for us. He will comfort those who mourn. Who mourn. He will provide for those who will grieve. He will bestow on them a crown of beauty. Instead of ashes, the oil of joy, instead of mourning, garment of praise, instead of spirit of despair. We'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. We'll grow tall like oak trees in faith in Christ. For he has come to rescue you. And last point here, point number four. Jesus came to separate the sheep from the goats. This is very important. He came to separate evil and the wicked from the humble and blameless. In other words, it is so important for us to have pure childlike faiths and hearts and actions. Jesus says in Matthew 22 verse 14 the heading of that is the parable of the wedding banquet. Jesus is giving a lot of parables. This is for many are invited but few are chosen. What does that mean? It doesn't mean it's only for the elite. It means tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners, liars. They will have first place in the kingdom of God because they will hear the gospel and they will follow Christ. They will humble themselves and repent. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So the question, who is considered blameless? Who is considered pure? Who are considered chosen? Am I chosen? Are you chosen? How do you know for sure that you are a chosen individual? Quickly, so point letter A, those who are ready. Are you ready? 
B, those who will listen. Are you listening? C, those who will surrender. Are you surrendering to Christ? D, those who will follow. Are you following Christ? Or are you following the world? Are you following your own dreams? Are you following the dream and the plan that God has in store for you before you were even born when you were in your mother's womb? E, those who will believe. Do you believe? Again, do you, are you in a place of unbelief? F, those who will serve the Lord and his people. Are you putting your faith into action? Is it being shown in your action? Matthew 25, 31 to 46. The heading says, The sheep and the goats. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations, meaning all people, every color, skin, creed, culture, they will come together and will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And this is a very simple division that God will do, a separation that he will do. It's one or the other, right or left. He says he will put all these people who come from all different backgrounds, he will put them in one spot and another spot. Only one place or second place, that's it. He says in verse 32, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. That's it. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Why? And Jesus says, Why? For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous who are the sheep, in the category of the sheep on the right, they will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Jesus says, here it is. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. So in other words, what we do for others, we do it for Christ. What we do for Christ, we do it for others. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot separate it. Just as you can't separate the brain from the body and the heart from the body. Everything has to work in unison, together, the body, Christ the head. So again, are you considered blameless and pure? Are you part of the chosen? Are you chosen? And how do you know for sure that you are chosen? Here it is. Jesus gives the answer. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Is that what they did in Matthew 21 in the beginning? These merchants and money changers, chargers? Did they do the right thing? I believe not. They took advantage of the poor. They deceived the poor. Did not treat their brothers and sisters with utmost respect and integrity 
and help them in their time of need. And here is the other category on the left side. I'm sorry for those who are on the left side, right now sitting on the left side. It says here in verse 41, I'm just joking, it doesn't matter where you're sitting, it's where we are spiritually, amen? Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. How scary is that? Pay attention. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. You also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He'll reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do, okay, keep in mind, remember with the sin of commission and omission, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Verse 46, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Amen and amen. The question, are you ready? Are we ready? Are we on the right side? Are we on the right or the left? Are we a sheep or a goat? Are you a man of, and a woman of faith? Or are you a rejecter of this true faith? I pray that you will come to a place you see Christ for who he is that during this holy week in Christ that you accept him as your Lord and Savior you follow him as your Lord and Savior you give all of your being all of your life to him and trust in him and rely on him as your Lord and Savior together Heavenly Father we thank you for this week and for Palm Sunday and for reminding us of the victory that is found in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's through you that we have victory in this life. No death, no bullying, no lies, no schemes, no temptation of this world. is greater than the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, you will forgive all of our sins. 
only if we turn to you with faith or belief and with hearts of repentance. I pray, God, during this holy week that we will not focus on things that do not matter, the worldly desires and the worldly dreams. May we not be distracted by the lies and the attacks and the schemes of the enemy. But we put our full focus on you. We put on the full armor of God. We pray and we repent. And with the question, are you ready? Are we ready? Just like the parable of the wedding banquet. Are we ready? Many are invited, but few are chosen. Are we ready? May we say today, Lord, yes, I am. And if I'm not, Lord, help me to be ready. May we surrender our lives and turn to you with hearts of humility. We thank you for the prophecy fulfilled in Isaiah 53. It says, you were pierced for our transgressions and you were crushed for our iniquities. We took up our pain and bore our suffering. Punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, was on you. And may we remember that by your wounds, that we are healed. May we recognize the Savior. Even though the crowds, they did not understand fully in Matthew 21. They were excited for their version, their idea of who the king would be. But we know the true king. And remember, that Lord, that you are a humble and a lowly king who came not to be served, but to serve all, to serve many. Who says he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Where you grew up, a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. In your appearance, where people despised you, despised and rejected by all men and women. Man of suffering and familiar with pain. Remember, Lord, that it is you that took up our pain and bore our suffering. Remember you today. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. For all these things, your precious son, just custom me pray. God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Uh, let's all stand to our feet and let's close the service with the path of life in Jesus and with our benediction prayer. Let's sing together.
seats and let's end this service with our final prayer with the benediction let's pray together heavenly father do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways but according to your love remember me for you lord are good and now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling Present you blameless, pure, and holy before his holy presence. May you know and continue to encounter the unending love of the Father. And may the Lord continue to pursue after you, guide you, and lead you forevermore. And as God's people, we pray. Amen. amen. And amen. amen. All right. God bless you. I love you guys. I'll see you all in the back.